Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at oagks.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bo Knows Show. You'll find it there. And you can email us anytime at show at gmail.com. This is episode 63.5. And as always on the point five, I'm joined by the wonderful legal counsel of the Coach Bono's podcast, the token girl. She has great legs, but an even greater mind, my co-host, Ellen Wingenter. Ellen, how are you today? I'm doing well, Bo. How are you? I'm doing well. So we're here Friday afternoon. Going to get it done. You, uh, you went and saw Wakanda forever today. I did. I was off today since I work in the financial services sector, and uh, it was a good movie. Um, recommend it for folks. Uh, maybe bring a couple of tissues and uh, enjoy it. All right. I will definitely be checking it out if the wife wants to see it too. So we're going to be heading to see that one soon. Nice. I, I enjoy most of the Marvel movies, and I do, and I love the first Black Panther movie. So I will most likely be doing that. Hey, we have a lot to get after today. So we're going to do sports first, the sports stuff, take it. And then we're going into politics today. Sweet. Had an election. So we're going to talk. Um, stuff going on. So we didn't have a big sports event this week, but we've got a few little things. And I want to talk about a couple of them. Um, the big ones to me, um, college basketball started. And you are the college basketball expert. I am a novice at college basketball at best. Um, I have done fairly well gambling on it this week, but I'm not. <laughs> I just know that in dealing with that, it's been big teams with spreads and figuring out, okay, this team will cover this spread because it's early in the season and they're playing some sure. games. That's the only reason I've even considered it. Uh, I would have hit a big one Monday on a parlay, but Kansas of all teams blew it. Um, well, yeah. It's better than but, Louisville losing in their by game. So that's true. And I stayed all the way away from that one. So <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, I want to uh, I want to get into that. We'll talk a little football and some, some other stuff as well. Um let's first how much we talked about the Astros winning the World Series. Have we talked about it at all? I don't know if we talked about it a week ago. No, last week we didn't talk about it because we were so busy and everything else. Yeah, I don't know as though we did. Um, because we were recording and we had still a game left. And it was a Saturday when the... Yep, yep. So when they um, won, it was last Saturday. So we have So basically, my thoughts about that are, I really would have... We both picked Astros to win the World Series. Um, I would have loved to seen the Phillies do it. But I'm really glad for Dusty Baker. I mean, yeah. it it... It makes my heart happy for him, given how long he's been in the league as a player, as a manager, and um, he did it, especially given the way that he was treated by my Cubs folks uh, after the Bartman thing. So uh, I'm super, super glad to, to see him get a chance to do that. Yeah. On the Dusty Baker thing, one, to me, this is going to get him in the Hall of Fame. He is going to be in the Hall of Fame now. For sure. It's a matter of him retiring and, and saying it's over. And I'm really happy. for There is no better dude in baseball, no more well-liked and respected man in baseball than Dusty Baker. He is sort of the last link between current ball players and the original 
uh, the guys like Willie Mays and Hank yep. Aaron, those guys who did play in the Negro Leagues a little bit and then came up and started in the majors. Yeah. Both guys, especially Aaron, was one of those guys that took Dusty Baker under his wing and really mm-hmm. a lot about what they went through, so to pass that on. And Dusty Baker's been very mindful of that, and he's taken that and passed it on to generations that he's coached. And so I love that. I I wish the stat that this Astros team was the first team to not have an African-American player, an American-born African-American, so African-American, actual African-American, is kind of, it's one of those things where it's kind of like, oh, man, when you think about it being Dusty, you know? Sure. But Dusty represents so much for that you know, for that, that whole thing. And I just, I'm happy as hell for Dusty Baker. Now, since this has happened, the Astros have done Dusty a little bit wrong. So until you mentioned it, as we we're kind of talking beforehand, I had no idea what was going on. So Dusty was on a, was on a contract. He was on this contract. So Dusty Baker and um, the general manager, um, James Click, were both uh-huh. on the last year of their contracts. Okay. But it wasn't really put out there publicly. So the Astros owner, I mean, Dusty, was, they were both brought in under the circumstances from the suspensions of the, the, of the previous management and the previous sure. general manager because of the cheating scandal. And so these guys were brought in by Jim Crane, the, the uh, owner. Okay. Jim Crane gave them contracts for a couple of years. They started negotiating uh, a new contract in the spring, Jim Crane stopped the negotiations saying, let's see what happens this year. Both Dusty and, and Click, the general manager, both said, okay, and they rolled the dice. Okay. They won the World Series. And I'll tell you, both of them are, because of the deals that Click made and how Dusty ran his team, mm-hmm. they're the reason that this team is as good as it is. I mean, the cupboard was far from bare. I mean, let's not get it wrong. But Click made the right decision on Carlos Correa. Right. Bringing in Jeremy Pena, uh, letting Jordan Alvarez be the everyday DH, uh, the DH and, and playing left field as well. Um, and then from there, also um, uh, taking a chance on Yuli uh, Gurriel for another season. They did that this yep. year. He'll, I think he's going to retire unless he gets a couple year contract somewhere. But after the World Series, Crane came in and only offered Click and Baker one-year extensions. Now, Dusty Seems kind of shady. It is. And Dusty Baker has taken his extension. He wants to run it back. Okay. Click told him this morning, no, he's not. Okay. So the Astros will be looking for their general manager. Um, as of now, Dusty is staying as the, as the, as the manager. Um. And I think he wants to try to give it a run back because that team's going to be mostly in, mostly intact. Uh, I think they will mm-hmm. re-sign Verlander, and I think they'll replace Gurriel with someone else. Right. But that's not as big a piece to lose as like when they lost Correa. Right. So, but I mean, Pena was excellent in the second half of the season, especially in the in the postseason. So that worked out great for them. Um, I agree with you 100 percent on the Phillies. Like the Phillies would have been a great story to collect the mm-hmm. players and people would know all that situation and that team that were great to root for so I wouldn't have been disappointed but I was rooting for the Astros and 
I just love it because it also breaks the hearts of all of the Yankees people. And being a Red Sox fan, watching the team just bludgeon the Yankees, yeah, it, just, it makes me feel good about who we are as Red Sox fans because we're not very good right now. Well, and, and the, the biggest thing that I was excited about is that Rizzo chose not to opt in to yeah. last year of the Yankees contract. I'm like, all right, Cubs, bring them home. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Da-da. He did opt out. There's a lot of opt-outs. So we know that Verlander has opted out. We know that, um, oh, God, who else? I'll give you a, a list here. Aaron Judge has opted out. Yep. He was going to be a free agent anyway. Jacob DeGrom has opted out. Trey Turner's already a free agent. Xander Bogarts from the Red Sox. Dansby Swanson from the Braves both opted out. Uh, Brandon Nemo, who's going to get a ton of money from somewhere, opted out in the Mets. Wilson Contreras from the Cubs has opted out. Uh, Jock Peterson has opted out. Uh, let me see here. And those are the one, just the ones who have been offered um, arbitration. They've been offered the tender offer. That doesn't okay. include Justin Verlander. It doesn't include a few others. There's going to be some huge names, and we're going to see some shifts, especially at the shortstop position, because Carlos Correa also opted out of his deal in Minnesota. So sure. now, because he only he opted into a three-year deal in the beginning with a one-year opt-out because he was so late because of the collective bargaining agreement. So now you've got like these four just balling ass shortstops who are all going to be available and they're all going to get great contracts. Yeah. Judge is going to get more money than God's ever given anybody. I think Judge is going to jump to the Giants. I think that's I think that rumor is going to happen. Okay. I do. I think that they're gonna they're gonna come in, they're gonna be the one that offer him 45 or 50 million. I don't okay. think the Yankees can do that. Rizzo, I think it's gonna go back to the Yankees. I I think the Yankees are gonna get Rizzo. I think they're going to get one of the short stops. I'm going to hold out hope that uh, Cubs front office does what's right. And they re-sign Contreras and get Rizzo and make another run before Rizzo retires. Well, as a making, making the qualifying tender offer on, on Contreras today means the Cubs are interested. Yeah. Oh, Cubs. they have to be. He's a fantastic catcher. He's a great hitter. He's a great defensive catcher, especially. He can throw a second and get out of that, you know, crouch really quickly. So it's it's interesting. Now, the thing I'm looking forward to see, where does Judge go if he mm-hmm. leaves New York? Uh, there is talk that the Giants are like all in. Like they are willing to throw the, the whole money train at him. They did the same thing to Chris Bryant and that got them... And then uh, the shortstops, see where they all go. Uh, mm-hmm. I also want to see how much Verlander resigns for because he's going to get another. I think he's only going to get a one or two year deal. I mean, he's thirty nine. Yeah. But he's about to win the Cy Young, and so that's going to get him a. I wonder though if the first digits going to be a four or a three. Okay, fair. I think it's going to be a four. I would have to presume it would be. I mean, the guy has just played so well, especially being. A later pitcher as far yeah, as yeah. age goes yeah and if max scherzer can get 43 million i think verlander can get 40 you'd hope so so i said me to the moon uh so that's the baseball stuff um in the nfl we've got since we last talked we had uh last weekend's schedule i thought was kind of underwhelming 
And Uncle Rico and I talked about it quite a bit already. I didn't know if there was anything that you were like, oh my God, oh my God, about. Uh, the big thing, the biggest thing to me last week was I think I'm not overreacting to Tom Brady taking the Bucks down and winning the game. And uh, I think the Rams are just bad now. <laughs> and Mahomes was Mahomes in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. This week, there is only one really interesting game, and that's Minnesota and Buffalo. And and that's a that's a noon game here in Kansas City. It's be eleven o'clock your time, and we don't know if Josh Allen's playing. I don't think he's going to play. I mean, I, I appreciate them doing this hour by hour shit, but if he hasn't practiced, uh, I know that they were supposed to do some sort of update this afternoon. Yeah, I'm uh, watching. And I didn't see it just because I was at the movie, but. Um, He's not going to play. I don't. They'll let Case Keenum kind of roll with it because they want Josh Allen protected for the playoffs. Yeah, the only reason you try to roll Allen out there is that you know it's going to be a tough game. It's at home, which if you're going to play Keenum at home isn't a bad deal. But now, because they lost last week to the Jets, them and the Chiefs are now tied in record. Buffalo has the tiebreaker, having beaten them head to head, but. They can't afford a loss. So that's where I'm, I'm kind of wondering and, and curious is to see is what, how are they going to, it tells me how they'll react to this because if, if they rush Allen, it means that they're worried about being in a possible tie with the Chiefs or falling behind the Chiefs. If they don't, then they think they're the better team and they think it's all going to end up in the wash. And I, I mean, frankly, for Josh Allen's health, I hope that they wait and let him just have that extra week because uh, you don't want him going into a wild card or even first round of the playoffs and then fully blow out his elbow and everyone's like, well, you should have waited, you know? Yeah. yeah, and you're only halfway into the season. So, I mean, that's... Exactly. ...as well. So, all right. Hey, um... We're going to jump over to politics here in a minute. Before we do, we have to do our weekly picks. Yes, we sir. Like Caesar Sportsbook. I got to tell you, anybody, and you you were listening, watching me on Twitter this weekend. If you faded my picks this week, you lost a lot of money. Because <laughs> I was on. I was perfect this weekend. Uh, in our picks, I was 3-0. and uh, You went 1-0. and uh, I'm back to even on our Coach Bono's podcast picks. I'm 10, 10, and 1 now. I've okay. been 3 and 0 this past week. You are sitting at 8, 3, and 1. All right. So uh, you've got a couple of picks this week. I know you, you're you going to ride the hot hand. Are you riding the hot hand on Kansas again? I am. Um, I am surprised, at least, I think when I looked earlier today, KU was not favored against Tech. I, I understand that the game is in um, Lubbock, but mm-hmm. I think KU is just coming in on a wave of good play. Their defense played really great last week, um, which is something that I've been yelling about for a while. So I'm very much thinking that they will not only cover the points, but they'll just win straight out. Okay, so I'm going to give you KU in three and a half. Yep. All right. 
And then you also are got a got a basketball game for us this, this weekend. I am because uh, the Nuggets are playing the Celtics tonight. Uh, last okay. I saw, the spread was four and a half. I got it at four. We got it at four. Okay. Nuggets plus four. Okay, so they bet down. Uh, taking the Nuggets on both the money line and the spread on that. Okay. They are, especially after the game the other night, they could have lost it. Uh, they've pulled everything together in a really fun way. I've been fortunate to go to a couple games, hoping to see a few more myself in person, but this team is a lot of fun. They've been so close for the last three or four years. And now that everyone is really healthy, I think they might just really pull it off. Very cool. So I got you down for the Nuggets Friday night plus four. KU plus three and a half on Saturday. Got it. Uh, I got three. I got three picks. And okay. I'm, doing home, I'm doing homer picks for both of us here. Oh, by the way, congratulations on your Tigers beating. Oh, oh we're, oh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. <laughs> First, I got to show you what I'm wearing today. Oh, the Tulane. My new, brand new Tulane hoodie. Green Wave coming in. Green Wave. They have a huge game against UCF at home on Saturday. This is huge. If they can win this one, they got two more. They'll have Memphis at the end of the year. Uh, Tulane, if they can win out the next three, uh-huh. they will be the highest rated non-power five school, which means they get a Janu- they get a January one bowl. Okay. Um, can I just hold? Isn't UCF coming into the Big Twelve next season? Yes. Okay. Just wanted to to note that. Is, yeah. Oh, all the teams, the teams that are trying to catch Tulane in the American Conference are the ones who are leaving. Tulane's okay. Them all off. The Tulane just said, all right, you want to leave? Go ahead and leave. Cincinnati wants to leave? Fine, we'll beat them. All UCF right. Wants to leave? Fine, we'll beat them. Okay. Tulane is going to run the table. They're going to be 12 and 1. They're going to win the conference championship. They're going to go to the Cotton Bowl. On January the second, and I'm going to the game if they do it. If they go to the Cotton Bowl, I'm going to the bowl game. Who's their loss? Their one loss was at Southern Miss about a month ago. Okay, thank you. The Tulane is a one-point favorite at home against Central Florida. It's a one-point. That's basically nothing. It's basically win the game. Pick them. I'm picking Tulane minus one. Okay. I mentioned I was going to brag, but I'll get to brag now because I have not picked LSU in our pick segment all season long. I've avoided it like the plague. Right. I have not, I have not known the real identity of this team until now. Now I know who this team is. This team is hotter than donut grease right now. They have won four in a row. They've won every game since they lost to Tennessee a month ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just beat Alabama at home mm-hmm. on what is the ballsiest call I have seen in a while. Going for the two-point conversion in the first overtime. Uh, I loved the call. I'm sitting there watching it, and I, I was sitting there with my son, with Peyton. You know Peyton. Uh, yeah. I was sitting there with Peyton, and I, and I, I said, they're going to go for two. And he goes, oh, that's not good. And I was like, no, this is the one time you do it, do it because Bama's already scored and got the extra point. 
you can win the game right, right now. If you don't win it right now, now then you're playing a different kind of football game. You're playing the game of who makes the first mistake. Yep. And I don't know that I want to get into that kind of game with a Nick Saban coach team. No. I think what Brian Kelly did was 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 smart. I love the play call. And LSU wins the game. 14-point dogs win the game outright. They are laying four at Arkansas. Now, okay. Usually, usually, I go to this game. Arkansas is the closest game for me to get to in the SEC from here in Lawrence. Uh, we don't really play in Columbia, so maybe we'll play <laughs> So I usually go down to this, but it is an 11 a.m. game. I don't do in-person 11 a.m. games. That's pretty much a waste of time. So I'm not going to be able to go, but I'm taking LSU. I'm going to lay the four. Arkansas has not been playing well. I do like their coach. I do like some things they're doing there, but they're not yeah. right. They're not right. They lost to Liberty. I thought this spread was going to be higher. I think LSU is going to go there and blow the doors off. All right. So um, last one. I mentioned Homer picks. This is going to be a your Homer pick. The Iowa Hawkeyes are hosting the Wisconsin Badgers. Ah. In a pick them. Iowa's offense is awful. Are you taking fucky bucky? I'm taking Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's going to win this game. I think they might win it by 7 to 10. I'm taking Wisconsin. And I'm going to put Tulane, Wisconsin, and LSU in a parlay as well, which, I mean, I hit last week. I'm going to hit again this week. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm in. I'm in, on, I'm, I'm in on the job that Wisconsin's interim coach is doing. They've done a great right. job last month. They've played a lot better. Um, he, may, he may end up keeping that job. And I think that's what they're, they're playing better. Iowa's offense is horrible. Yeah. And, and Kirk Ferentz is not going to fire his son, at least not in season. He's no. He's going to figure out a way at the end of the season to get his job, like get a job somewhere else. You know, and that, that's what will happen. Watch his son go be an offensive assistant for the Patriots or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, because he's not an offensive coordinator. But because of that, I'm thinking Wisconsin. I know that game is at Iowa. That's a tough place to win. It is. No points either way. I'm just picking Wisconsin to win the game. That'll be an interesting noontime game as well. Excellent. That is my pick. So if you are ready to get down on games, go to our show notes. There's a link in there for Caesar Sportsbook. Um, you know what I love in the Caesars thing is you can also do teaser bets. Nice. I would know because on like on a couple of the other sites, I won't name names. Um, you cannot do teasers. You can do parlays, but you cannot do a teaser. A teaser is where you take two plus games and you can actually move the spread in football between seven and seven and eight points. You gotta okay. hit all games, but you can really move it around. And I think that's really cool. Um, that'll also it's a great, great way to hedge a parlay. Oh, and for those of you that will miss this, just because of when we posted, I did do a parlay for Michigan State covering on the points with the Nuggets winning. So, okay. okay. Well, very cool. So, check out the Caesar Sportsbook app. There's a link in the show notes. And uh, 
We thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Hey, the yes. last football thing I want to get on you real quick. I want to see your thoughts on this. Indianapolis Colts fired Frank Reich, the coach this week, and hired Jeff Saturday as the interim coach. Now, I don't know if you heard, I was on the on Tyler Jones's podcast a couple of days ago, and I, we've talked about it at length. I'm not shitting all over this as much as people would think I would, but I don't like the hire at the same time. Uh, you got this look on your face already like something. You don't like this. Let me hear your thoughts on Jeff Saturday, interim head coach. Well, you know, um, Joe Thomas, former Browns player, had a snippet. I think it was uh, with the NFL Network as they're doing stuff in Munich for the game on Sunday. And he was just like, this is the most ridiculous thing ever because you don't hire your drinking buddy to be your head coach because coaches have a different lifestyle than any of us could ever imagine. And it's horrible. You don't see your family and all that kind of stuff. And it was an interesting um, construct that he kind of put out there. I, to the best of my knowledge, Jeff Saturday has zero coaching experience. He's only coached in high school. He is getting set up to fail. Um, I'm not sure what this means for Matt Ryan's contract, which is also interesting. And I mean, what the fuck is Ursi doing? Like, are they doing lines and then going drinking and like, hey, this is a really great idea. Yeah. We'll yeah. just put Jeff in the head in the head coach position. I don't know. It's so weird. It is weird. It's weird because they're bringing an outside candidate for an interim job. Uh, this is a staff, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, that has two former head coaches on the staff. Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator, and the offensive consultant is John Fox. I mean... <laughs> I, it, so here was my thing. If you don't want to give Bradley the job, I get it because he's defensive coordinator. They don't have an offensive coordinator right now because they fired him two weeks ago. Frank Reich was acting as the offensive coordinator. Right now, the assistant wide receivers coach is the only coach who's ever called plays in the NFL on the staff. He's calling plays this weekend. Great. Now, their wide receivers coach is Reggie Wayne, but he's never called plays. They have two Hall of Famers on their team as coaches. They got Reggie Wayne and Kevin Mawai as the, as the assistant offensive line coach. They went and got Jeff Saturday. Now, look, I'm not saying anything bad about Jeff Saturday. I think Jeff Saturday's a smart guy. I think he could be a coach one day. Um, but it's an interim job with half a season to go. You're going to bring him in with a staff he doesn't know, or at least hasn't worked with yet. No offensive play caller. Look, they should have just given this job to John Fox, who was universally respected in the game and not and not one of your play callers right now, and say, hey, John, I need you to be the guy who runs the show. Bump him a little bit on his paycheck, get him a little money, because Jeff Saturday's not the coach of this team next season. <laughs> but this was Ursay being out of the box and hiring a friend. Obviously, he, he, Jeff Saturday is someone who's respected throughout the league. He was one of the negotiators in the CBA. He's 
been someone who is liked around the league, but and he has a relationship with Ursay. I don't think it was something where necessarily Saturday was going to fire him and hire me. I don't think that was the situation at all. Oh, I think Saturday is going to get you know, dragged into a bad situation as well. But he's trying to do what he thinks is the right thing for the franchise that gave him a career. Right. But at the same time, he could have and perhaps yeah. should have said no. Said no. Yeah. Now, Jeff Saturday's only, I made this joke, and this is going to sound fucked up, but his only head coaching experience is two years in high school. So I was telling Tyler Jones, this is like asking me to come in there and be the head coach. I mean, you had multiple years coaching. Yeah, I mean, I've coached more than Jeff Saturday has. I mean, his coaching style, I'm a better candidate than Jeff Saturday. (laughs) You know, and I think it's an, interesting, it's an interesting juxtaposition with the Flores lawsuit, which is still outstanding, that, okay, they aren't even trying to cover their ass and bring in a Black assistant um, or anything like that that they have on staff or from another team that they can kind of paper themselves with that. They're just like, yeah, we're going to go with the guy who played for us and who's on ESPN as an analyst. I did see today, uh, Stephen A. Smith brought this up, um, that the Rooney rule does not apply to interim coaches. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I I just think that if you, it's not even, that, that argument as far as, you know, not listening to the Rooney rule, I, I get why you bring that up because it just shows that Jim Ursay is not thinking at all. But at the same time, I think that the biggest problem here is he had two candidates on the staff. Right. And you just, you got to go with someone who's there and been in the trenches the whole time. And look, if I had John Fox, who's been to a Super Bowl, yes. with two teams, this is the guy that took a team with Jake DeLome at quarterback. And <laughs> Don't tell me that fucking guy can't coach. Cause I know he can. I would just John Fox. I, I give you a million bucks. Will you please be our coach for the rest of the season? And it, to add on top of that, when you have the District of Columbia Attorney General suing, yeah, the Washington, you know, Commanders for any variety of things, but basically just perpetrating a fraud against fans of the team for just hiding all the nonsense mm-hmm. it just piles on to the idea especially because ursay was out front two weeks ago saying snyder needs to lose his team yeah. this needs to go away snyder needs to get out and yet he goes and does something like this that i'm just kind of like where's were you planning on throwing snyder under the bus so you could do something like this what is this yeah, it's, it's, I was thinking, and I was listening to a couple other podcasts about this and a couple other reporters and saying that there was a thought that the other owners might have put Jim Ursay up to saying what he said about Daniel Snyder sure. as the beginning of a coordinated effort. Mm-hmm. And in the end, with this lawsuit, everything else going on with, with, the, with the commanders, as we adjust to that part, that piece, um, I do think that. He's going to have to sell the team. He's okay. already hired Bank of America to come yep. in and help him figure this out. 
whether that's selling a, minor, a minority share to the team or a majority share of the team or the entire team, in the end, he's going to lose his team. Um, I did hear that he does absolutely against selling it to Jeff Bezos. <laughs> he is absolutely, and I guess Jeff Bezos is very interested in buying the company. Of course he is. He has money to burn, and he's what, yeah. one of the few billionaires that doesn't they own a sport? To pay cash for it, yeah. yeah. Um, I do wonder, and I asked Tyler this, I didn't know. I wonder what the league would say about him being a broadcast partner at Amazon and a team owner. Bezos already owns Washington Post. Yeah. They're already reporting on the commanders yeah, from a journalistic this standpoint. Would, this would be a league, this would be a league sponsor. I mean, Amazon is in the business with the NFL. Has so, that stopped anyone before? I, I don't know. I, I've never seen this, we've never seen this happen. We've never seen like an owner of CBS or Fox try to Rupert Murdoch's never tried to buy a football team. I mean, the Rupert Murdoch wanted to buy the the Rams. He, I don't know, they would let him. Okay, so it's not a blatant buy, but if you look at the money throughout the various leagues and the ownership, and then where the money trails out to, yeah, I think it would connect on a pretty reasonable level. Okay, I just wonder. I mean, you look at someone like Kroenke, who has his own network, who can't sign a carriage agreement with half the cable providers out here in Denver, and he owns the Rams, the Nuggets, the Avalanche, the Rapids, the Mammoth, for those who like Major League Lacrosse, like, it's, it's maybe not on the scale of Amazon Prime, but how big is Amazon Prime actually going to be as far as a provider of NFL content? That's well, we what I'm not have, clear on. Well, we, we know they have a 10-year contract at a billion dollars a year. For Thursday night games that suck. Yeah, but I know, again, it's, it's your, your partners. I mean, we haven't seen this happen yet. So I'm wondering, I, I don't, I don't know if that'll be who gets it, but someone's going to get the, the, sure. the almost almost the bad word. Someone's going to get the commanders. Yes. I tried to win the Powerball so I could get in as a minority owner. I tried to, and you know, I was going to hire you as my personal attorney. It was going to be great. It would have been fun. It was fun. So, um, all right. So Jeff Saturday thing again. I, I I'm rooting for Jeff Saturday. I hope it goes well. I like Jeff Saturday, but. I that is not a good idea. He's set up to fail and it sucks for him. If he actually wanted to get into coaching on any level, it sucks for him. I I hope that this is him doing a favor for somebody and him not saying this is what I want my career to be. I hope it's him saying, I'll do this favor for Jim for a bunch of money and then I'll go back to ESPN next year. Well, maybe he's seen all the other coaches who tend to get fired and end up back in their network situations, Urban Meyer, you know, other folks. Herm. Just kind of like, oh, okay. Herm, Herm's back at ESPN. Herm, Herm is strong on ESPN currently, so. I've liked Herm. I like Herm, I like Herm better as an analyst than I do as a coach. 
All right. So the biggest thing that's happened this week in the world, what them do with sports? The midterm elections came, and Friday afternoon, five o'clock now Central Time, we still don't know who's won the House and who's won the Senate. Correct. State of Georgia's going to a runoff for the Senate spot between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. Arizona and Nevada still haven't counted all their ballots for their Senate races. Um, We've got a House seat out here in, in Colorado on the Western Slope that's hotly contested <laughs> and will yeah. likely go to runoff as well. Well, at least to recount, not to runoff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is crazy. And we and you know, there was a lot of talk about there was going to be a red wave that the Republicans were going to come in and because they were pissed at Biden and inflation and everything yeah. else. Boy, it sure looks like the opposite has happened. Now, normally, people don't really don't realize this in a midterm election. Usually, the incumbent president does lose a large portion of the house. Yes, which is a natural thing. And it looks like if we had to add it up now, it looks like the long shot that the Democrats can hold the house, but there is still a possibility of it happening. Not a likely possibility, but the the fact that it's even this close at this point is decidingly not a red wave. No, the fact that the Senate is going to likely stay with the Democrats. Yes, is huge. The fact that in the one state where it looked like the the MAGA people were going to win in Pennsylvania for the Senate seat, the Democrats flipped that and they flipped it kind of in a bigger way than expected. Yep. Um, I, and if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm a Democrat. I lean more left than right. There are certain things about the right side that I like, certain things I don't like. I like to say that I'm in the middle, but I do lean more left. Mm-hmm. As I get older, I tend to be more liberal. But what I will say is, I think the biggest takeaway from this is simply this. This is a rejection of MAGA. This is not a rejection of Republicans. It's a rejection of Trump and Trumpism. Because if you look, in Republican strongholds, in places where they ran a normal candidate, Republicans won in most of them. DeSantis killed it in Florida. Greg Abbott won in Texas. I don't like either of those guys, but they're not the far-right nut jobs that Trump is. You're giving me that crinkled eye look, but DeSantis can be close to it, and and Abbott can be close. They, they, They both are. Yeah, they're not Trump. They're not deniers. They're not going to say, I lost, so the whole thing is fucked up. Everyone who said that Trump lost because the whole thing is fucked up is losing. Most. Most, yes. Yeah. I disagree that it's a MAGA referendum, though. See, I think it is. I think it's a a MAGA referendum because the places that we saw the non-MAGA Republicans some of them have won. Now, but the places where Trump went hard, they lost. I, so yes, to an extent it is anti-Trump, but I think regardless of what all the polling was showing in advance, yeah. abortion was a far bigger issue than yes. anyone cared to admit. 
And if Absolutely. you look at the ballot initiatives that were in Michigan, in Kentucky, in Vermont, in California, people, not only women, but people were coming out to secure those rights for people. Yes, beyond I agree. the Trumpish stuff that probably pushed things in a way that um, the pundits just didn't want to talk about because it wasn't the hot thing right now. Yeah, yeah. the The border, the the the, the economy, the things that the Republicans pushed forward and at every poll said was important. Right. Was not important. Yeah. The abortion issue, Roe versus Wade killed him. Yeah. And that almost militarized the Democrats in certain places. I mean, the fact that some of these states, the fact that Kentucky passed a, a law that's not going to ban abortion, it's not going to specifically put abortion language in the Constitution. I mean, what I is mean, that in Kentucky? It's the same thing as Kansas yes. doing it in August. Yeah, I mean, it's, so I agree with you that there's there, a big portion of it, I agree. is And so what I think we're seeing is that the younger generations who are now voting more, social issues matter more so than ever before. Yes. And in the past, I mean, James Carville once said it best, you know, when Clinton was running was, and he was Clinton's guy, yep. you know, the economy, the economy, the economy. Yeah, it's the economy, then, stupid. <laughs> yeah, the economy, stupid. That was James Carver was absolutely correct back then. Mm -hmm. but the world's changed, and now, now it is these cultural issues. It is going to be things like abortion, like LGBTQ rights. These things are going to be what pushes the elections moving forward. And, and I think it's what Republicans would have called in the past identity politics yeah but i think it has transformed to the point of it's not identity politics it's people that we know that we love that are family or, and friends who are being adversely affected yeah. by decisions of people who decide that anyone who doesn't look like them yeah. is wrong yeah, I, I'm actually encouraged in more ways than one by this. One, more Democrats won than we thought. And I'm encouraged by that. Yeah. Two, the Republicans that did win in a lot of cases were the more moderate Republicans. I'm going to throw Greg Abbott and, and DeSantis out. But in a lot of them, they were the more, they were the, the more reasonable Republicans, which I think sure. is a good thing. That, yeah. I mean, having a, a civil discourse between people who are Republicans and Democrats is a good thing. The fact that we can pull that argument back to being about issues and not being about hate yeah, is a really good thing for us all. You're absolutely right on that point. And that's where I think that what we've had, and we can argue where this all started, but where it really came down to being that, that these were issues that that elections were not no longer about issues, but about either your hate or non-hate, really goes back to 2016. Oh, I would say it goes back to Gingrich in 92, but. I mean, I, I, argue, I would agree with that too, but I think that for the big plurality of people now, I mean, because 
there are people now who aren't alive who were alive in 1992. People, you know, a lot of those voters are dead. A lot of people who are now voting have no idea what happened back in the 90s. But we see that the younger people did not accept Trumpism. He is going to be, I, I hope that Donald Trump wins for president now. Six months ago, I was like, oh, hell no, don't let him because the MAGA folks would have come out and he might've won. He has zero chance of winning now. If, if it's Trump Biden again in two years, Biden will clean his clock because it'll be more about issues and less about the hate and that hate speech is not going to work again. It didn't work this time. It, it, and I'll tell you what made me feel the best about it was the Pennsylvania Senate race. Oh, with Fetterman? Mm -hmm. Fetterman, not only, I mean, Fetterman was, how they did that was smart. I wouldn't have never thought of doing it this way. But what Fetterman did was say, hey, I know where I'm already popular. I got to get to these places where I'm not going to win. He even mentioned, I'm not going to turn red counties into blue counties, but he sure. had to make the margin smaller. That's what he did. That's how he won. And that might be, if you look at it, like look at Georgia right now. The people who are voting for Herschel Walker are generally older and white. I mean, it's something like 90% of African-Americans are voting for Warnock. Right. It's like 80% of, of, of white Americans are voting for um, a Herschel. Mm -hmm. I can't believe anybody would vote for Herschel Walker. I would make him a dog catcher, much less a senator. But, and that's because I know he's crazy even before all this. But now, if you want to go win that race the next time, it won't be just about what Stacey Abrams has done the last two go arounds about getting as many people in the in the cities registered. That's great. What she's yep. done there has been fantastic. And yep. that one Warnock you see two years ago. Yeah. But the way to get it now to where they want to defeat Ryan Kemp next time, go to those little towns, go to those rural places and, and squeeze that margin down. When you oh, absolutely. That margin down, they're gonna win. No, the the grassroots action is the pickup around that is going to be the key for the Democrats going forward until or unless they actually come with a cohesive message that resonates with folks. I mean, you saw Tim Ryan up in Ohio, who was just kind of like, yeah, I'm running as a Democrat, but I'm not taking their support. And I'm doing this on my own kind of measure and way. Yeah. So Democrats coming out of this election cycle going into 2024 need to think about, um, do we need an 82 year old president in the White House? Um, how do we get our bench shored up in a way that makes sense that you can have up and comers really dig in and have a national presence that makes sense and how do you get how do you recapture that obama grassroots fervor yeah. that existed back in you know 2007 2008 as he was coming into office 
to make it make sense that it's not built on 4chan, Fox News, all this kind of stuff. That's built on reality instead of, to your point, hate mongering. Yeah. Well, even the places that are the fear mongers now are turning their backs on Trump. Fox News, it, it, by the way, it was glorious Tuesday night to flip over to Fox News every so often and just watch how, I mean, it was like a sad party. They were like, oh God, oh no. And then you'd see like the real people come on. They'd be like, hey, um, we're losing because we don't have a real message. Well, and you saw the New York Post yesterday. It was Trumpy Dumpy sat on a wall, yeah. you know. And again, it's another Murdoch thing. And it's, yeah. it's interesting given random personal anecdote, talking to a dude who's from Australia. His mom has very much bought into the Murdoch conservative Fox narrative in Australia, which the Murdochs have built up and exploited here in the U.S. Yeah. So. It's interesting. And I think that, I don't know, I, I feel better about our country today than I did last week. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it means for 2024. There's a lot of things they're going to have to think about. You brought up a great point. Do we want, look, I'm a fan of Joe Biden. I think he's done a good job. There's some things I think he hasn't done right, but look, I don't think that anyone's ever been 100% right. Yep. I think he's mostly done a really good job and he's decided that he's going to do this job with a long-term view and not a short-term view, which I really like. I, I think that, you know, if he wasn't already 80 years old- He's it would turning be 80 next guy. week. The next <laughs> week, yeah. Then he should run again. Well, boy, he'll be 82 years old. Tomorrow, I ain't promised to any of us, especially when you're 82. No. So, but the, the issue becomes, okay, who do they get together to run again in two years? I mean, let me ask you this. Is there a person that you think could be that grassroots person that Obama was? Well, I think there's one, but I think people are going to get on the guy because he can't win. I think it's Beto O'Rourke. Beto can't win. See, that's so here's where I'm gonna. I he, he has he not can, won he, in Texas. No, he can't win. Oh, okay. So, my thought on the Beto thing I, 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 the number one thing people say he can't win because he, because of who he, because he hasn't won. Right. He couldn't beat Cruz and he couldn't beat Abbott. But I also think that he is someone that if you take him out of Texas and he's somewhere else, he may have won those elections. So here's what I would say about Beto for the same thing that I would say about Stacey Abrams. Mm-hmm. They, for the time being, are going to be fantastic national surrogates to yeah. get that groundswell going on national level and they will eventually have to transition out of those statewide or local elections and get into the senate races or the house races i mean edo was already in the house of representatives um but edo would not no 
you know, he's, I mean, I, he's, he's not, he's not quite enough, but I also say this knowing that Obama came out basically out of nowhere in what, in oh, 02, was it 02 or 04? It would have been 02 when he did the convention speech. Yep. And that's when everyone kind of came to know him. Um, or maybe it was 04. But regardless, somebody's going to have to come kind of out of nowhere. And that's a shame because the Republicans have a pretty deep bench. They do. Yeah, this it is going to be DeSantis's ball to play with now. Yes, yes. DeSantis yes. is getting the ball. Yep. He did extremely well in Florida. Yes. And 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 they are, they are the Republicans are now going to turn their back on Trump. Yeah, I mean he He's gerrymandered a, Florida to all hell, and he did it to his advantage. Yeah, and, and Trump is he's done. I mean he. If he goes and says he's going to run for president next week, I mean, he was talking about there was some talk that he was going to announce on the fifteenth. If he does, he's not going to win. He's not even going to get his nomination. He will announce that he is running. Yeah, I think so too. His ego won't is, stop him from doing it. No, he'll definitely run, but he's not going to win. No, he, he's he's toxic at this point. Agreed. And the reply, that, and that to me is the biggest thing about. Well, one of the two biggest things that you do, you're, you're right on the social aspects as well, is that the rejection of Trumpism is, is, a, is a really great thing. We don't have to agree with all the Republicans. I'm not saying we should. I mean, we're all going to have discourse one way or the other. Mm -hmm. But for them, as for Republicans to denounce Trumpism, as hard as they really have this time around, is a good thing. My concern is how big is that group that has truly denounced them? Because there's probably at least a, a third of the Republicans who are going to carry MAGA yeah, till yeah. they drop off the base of this earth. Well, I think that the next thing to see will be is if the Republicans win the House, which, I mean, they're likely to win. How? Mm -hmm much does McCarthy have to fight to become speaker? He's going to have to fight really fucking hard. Yeah. He has to fight really hard. That's a rejection of the MAGA. No, it's not. Well, I mean, I mean the other way around. It, it, it means that Marjorie Taylor Greene is able to get her cohort and be like, yeah. MAG is here. You have to give us concessions. Let's carry on. McCarthy well, is going to be an awful speaker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, his speech on Tuesday was awful. I mean, just tone deaf. So, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. So, I appreciate it. Um, I know that you are crunched for time today. So, we are going to get up out of here. And uh, we want to thank uh, DoorDash for sponsoring the podcast as well. Don't forget to use the link in the show notes for DoorDash. Save $10 on your first three orders from DoorDash. Ellen, thank you so much for coming in today. I appreciate it as always. You have a great weekend. You got any plans this weekend? No, I think it's gonna be pretty low key, which is okay. I'm, I head off today, I'm picking Monday off. So just gonna chill out, watch KU and the Chiefs and see what goes from there. There you go. Well, 
thanks again as always so uh also thanks thanks to tyler jones everybody at studio soapbox for all you do behind the scenes most importantly thank you to you the listener don't forget to rate us and review us apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify anywhere you get your podcasts we appreciate every five-star review until next week i'm coach bo brian o'connor that is ellen wiggington and have a great weekend and your time tokens are non-refundable take care everybody